One of my favorite things in this world is being a parent. Uh, most of you know uh, I have three kids, and most of you already know Mickey, who is uh, four years old, and uh, he's one of the biggest little goofballs I know. Uh, he's just full of joy, full of just happiness, and uh, he has the biggest smile that you've ever seen. One of the things about Mickey is that he's the life of the party. He's the center of attention. Uh, he feeds off of the attention and the focus that people give him. Uh, in fact, my wife took him to High Step a couple weeks back, and he was just so timid and so nervous because it was just the two of them at High Step, and he didn't want to climb the walls. He didn't want to do any of that until he saw another family come in, and then he was showing off everything that he could do and climbing the walls and because he was feeding off of the attention and the approval of this other family that he didn't even know. So I sat down with him recently, just wanting to know where he's at with his faith and understanding of the gospel. And I just asked him, you know, how do you get saved? And to no surprise to me, he says, well, if I don't lie and if I do good things, I'm saved. Then Jesus loves me. Of course, as a parent, unknowing and understanding the gospel, I, I see that his beliefs shaped his behaviors and how he receives and seeks for approval and acceptance from others. And it struck me after I had talked with my son that even though I'm a pastor, even though I've been involved in the church for as long as I can remember, and I know and I believe the gospel, I, I often revert back to that mentality that my four-year-old son has, where I look for the approval of others, I seek to be accepted, and I base my value, I base my worth based on how well I'm received by others. And I've also found like this shapes the way in how I serve and love others. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I love serving people, I, I love the opportunity to do that, but sometimes find my motivation to serve others in that I feel good, in that I feel accepted and useful to other people. And so this is a part of the, my personality that I've been processing through this year. But you know what that does for my faith? It makes me feel like I have to earn God's favor. I have to step and, and do things in order for God to love me, in order for God to accept me. And so rather than resting in his love, I am working for his love. And I will attest that I have been saved by the gospel. I understand the gospel, yet my flesh continues to revert to want God's approval and acceptance. The older I get, the more I realize that I'm not alone in this and that we, and many of us who have come to know God and to love God, we are motivated to earn God's love and earn God's favor in our lives. We feel often like God just doesn't like us because we haven't done enough for him. We feel that God disapproves of us because of what we've got going in our lives or the brokenness. We look around the world and we just generally feel that God is disapproving and disappointing of us. And what we do is we work harder to try to earn God's favor. Well, we just, we just need to do more. We just need to take on more. 
We need to do and live like people that God wants to approve. The more that we do this, the more that we find that we don't actually attain God's love and a favor. Instead, we, are ha- we have more guilt. We have more shame. We feel condemned by God because we are doing everything we can in our own power to earn God's love. And we are not necessarily believing that Christ is enough for us. So we believe that it is Christ plus our works to get God's love. And so it's all too easy for us to revert back to the natural state of our flesh where we are working for God's favor and God's love. Many of you have probably heard of Martin Luther. In fact, he came to a similar conclusion as he was trying to reconcile his works and God's grace. He had grown up in the church and he had grown up reading his Bible and praying and doing all the religious activities Yet the more that he looked inside of himself, the more that he found, or felt rather, that God was disapproving of him. So he felt, honestly, he was convinced that God hated him. God wanted nothing to do with him. And so what he did was he pursued God more through his works, and he felt more and more condemned. Luther, like many of us, has a, we have a hard time reconciling God's love and his mercy because we don't understand often the gospel of grace. We've believed it, but we don't understand it in particular moments in our lives, and we rely on our works rather than God's love. The problem for us today is that this mentality leads us to feeling weary, leads us to feeling exhausted, because we are trying to earn God's favor. We are trying to earn God's love by our actions, by our thoughts, and by all of the activities that we do because we believe if we can attain God's love and favor, then we'll be happy. The reality is, is the more that we turn away from the gospel into our, ourselves and rely on our works, the less that we're actually going to find God's grace present in our lives. This is why we've been in the sermon series, The Story, the last few months, uh, just examining the meta-narrative of the Bible and how every story, every command, every person in the Bible is pointing us to the ultimate story, and that is Jesus on the cross. We hit that climax in the series a few weeks ago, and if you haven't listened to that sermon, I would recommend you go back to listen to that. But we are now living in response to what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross, and we are going to uh, culminate next week in our, as the last part of our series as we are looking for our future home and what that will look like in heaven. But the cross is so important for where we are today that everything we do, how we live, is in all response to what Christ has done for us on the cross. We don't have to try to earn salvation because Christ has already at- obtained that for us. He accomplished what we could never do on our own, and that is to save us from the power and the condemnation of sin and bringing us into a right relationship with God. Today, we're in the book of Galatians, and like us, the Galatians are struggling to understand how to live in light of the gospel. There was a sect of believers called the Judaizers where they believed the gospel, but they thought it was too simple, 
and too easy, and that it just was not enough to get them God's favor. And so what they did is they turned back to following religious rules, religious activities, because they believed that doing these things was the only way for them to have a right relationship with God. So the main issue in the Galatian church is that they believed faith in Jesus plus works equals a right standing with God. So they had to work to earn God's favor, and then they were saved, and then they were in a right relationship. If they worked hard enough, then God would ultimately approve of them. So Paul wanted them to see and understand that they not only didn't understand the gospel, but he also wanted them to see that their works were nothing. And so uh, we can't earn God's love by working harder or trying harder, but salvation is found in faith alone in Jesus. He alone has paid the penalty for our sin. And so with the Galatians, they are saying, well, it's, it's religion, faith, and works that equals a right relationship. But the gospel says it's Jesus plus nothing that equals a restored relationship. The power of the gospel is working in our lives, and it is greater than the merits of our own works. So addressing the issue in the Galatian church, Paul says in verse 16, he says, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. What he wants them to understand is that all of our works, our, uh, our works will fail to produce a restored relationship with God. So he's citing the Mosaic law because these Judaizers are saying, well, we just need to follow the law and then we'll be saved. And then we'll have God's favor. So Paul's addressing the Mosaic law. And just a quick summary for you what the Mosaic law is. It refers to the law that was given to Moses and the people of Israel after their exodus in Egypt. And you can find it beginning halfway through uh, Exodus and going all the way through De Deuteronomy. But for the Jewish mind, they believed that God gave the law as a way for us to attain salvation, as a way for us to become holy and righteous in God's eyes. We could obtain God's love just by following the law. But in doing that, they missed the whole point of the law. There are hundreds of commands embedded in the law, making it impossible for us to follow the law on our own. Everything uh, we, we see that the whole law was pointing us not to the fact that we could obtain holiness and righteousness for ourselves, but that we couldn't do that. We needed someone who was greater, and that person was Jesus. But looking at this Galatian church, everything makes sense about why they would come to this conclusion, because everything in our world tells us that we have to work to earn a living. We have to go to, go, to a, go to our jobs, and we have to put in the time, and we have to put in the work, and then we get a paycheck. We have to go to school, and we have to get good grades in order to graduate. Everything in our lives and in our experiences tell us that we have to work to obtain what we want to obtain. So naturally... Uh, that flows over into our faith. But looking at this whole point of the law shows that every part of the human experience is completely sinful and in need of redemption. Paul says the same thing in Romans 3.20 when he says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law only exposes the fact that we are sinners. 
The law only shows that we can't undo the power of our sin. Following the law only brings condemnation because the law points us to the fact that we need something greater than ourselves. So looking back at verse 16, Paul uses a very important word showing us what we are actually striving for, and that is justification before God. He says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. This is the key to understanding Paul's argument. And what I want you to do is underline that word justified in your Bible, and then in the margins write, justified equals not guilty. We are looking for a life free of guilt and shame. We believe that if we just follow our works, we will attain that, that uh, lack of guilt. Paul is saying the law does not make us justified. It is faith in Christ alone. So this act of not guilty is a declarative act, and it brings us into the mindset of being in a courtroom where we are standing before a judge, and this judge, who is God our Father, is declaring us not guilty. This is not by anything that we have done, but solely by the fact that Christ has paid the penalty and the payment for our sin. So the gospel, through faith in Jesus, plus nothing, equals a restored relationship with God. This happens at the very moment that we put our faith in Jesus. We are not guilty based on the sins of our past, based on the sins of our present, and based on the sins that we will commit throughout our lives. This justified doesn't remove the stain of sin in our lives, but it does remove the consequence of sin. The beautiful thing about this doctrine of justification is that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us as sinners. He sees Christ working through us. Paul continues this thought in verse 17 but when he says, but in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves among the sinners. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Throughout these next couple of verses, Paul's going to show that our works will fail to earn God's love. The Judaizers were asking the question, well, if God declares sinners not guilty, doesn't that just nullify the power of grace and power of Jesus? Again, they believe that the gospel is too simple and too easy to believe and to understand and to receive. They're saying that it, we have to have faith in Jesus and our works. Otherwise, Jesus' power is nullified. Jesus is, is, is not who he says he is. And so, uh, grace just can't take the effect because it doesn't do the work to earn God's favor. And so Paul responds to this objection by saying, certainly not. It is God's act of justification through Jesus that changes our status as, as sinners and as sons and daughters of God. I love what Martin Luther describes in this process. He says, a Christian is not somebody who has no sin, but against whom God no longer considers sinful because of his faith in Christ. 
because of our faith in Christ, in spite of the fact that we still sin, God loves us as sons and as daughters. Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient to pay for our sins and that we receive by faith through, or by grace through faith. When God looks at us, he doesn't see us at our worst. He doesn't see the worst thing that we've ever done in our lives. Instead, he sees Jesus shining through us. We are transformed. We are changed at the point of conversion from a sinner to a saint. From a sinner to a son and daughter of God. Not anything that we did on our own to earn this status, but because Christ made it possible to have a restored relationship with God. The works uh, that, we, that we do are not factored in our justification, only Christ's. Our works do not attain anything for us. It is only by Christ's work on the cross that we attain justification. And proving this point further, Paul moves to a building analogy. He says in verse 18, if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. In other words, if grace, or if you received the gift of grace by Jesus by faith, yet turn back to rely on your works, then you don't understand God's love for us. I think of my own kids, and uh, they're constantly asking me questions like, Dad, aren't you happy that, that I built these Legos for you? Dad, aren't you happy that, that I cleaned my room for you? Dad, aren't you happy that I'm getting good grades? And yes, I'm, I'm pleased with them for doing well and, and excelling, but my happiness, my love for them is not contingent on what they do. My love for them is contingent on the fact that they are my children. I don't want their stuff. I want them to desire a relationship with me. And even more so with God, he doesn't want our things, he doesn't want the things that we do, the things that we accomplish. He doesn't count how much we've done for him. He only wants us to rest and to pursue him and to find our delight and our satisfaction in him alone. He doesn't love us for the potential of what we can do for him. He loves us to the degree that we are in Christ. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we have all of that. We are completely and fully in Christ. So Jesus, God loves us because we are fully and completely in Christ by faith. Since justification is not obtained by our works, but through Christ, we are able to respond to the gospel in the way that God desires in verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. What Paul is going to show us here is that our justification produces life in Christ. It's only in Christ that we can see the old way of living is, is dead to us, where we are relying on our works to obtain God's love and God's favor. Since we are sons and daughters of God by Christ's work and through faith, we are living in response to the cross of Christ, having full access to God's presence, to God's throne room, to God's grace and mercy. There's no barrier where we cannot come to see God our Father. In fact, we've been saying the last few weeks how the, cra how the cross demands a life of complete surrender, 
a complete devotion to Jesus because he paid everything for us. We don't live our lives as Christians out of duty because God is disapproving of us, but we live out of delight. We live out of a delight that we have and the delight that God already has in us. And since Christ paid the way for us to live an abundant life, we joyfully give our lives over to Jesus. This is what Paul tells us in verse 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The beauty of the gospel is that when we come to Jesus by faith through surrender, we find it possible where we can obey God, not out of duty, but out of joy, out of delight, where we work from our salvation rather than working for our salvation. And this implies motivations and desires. If I'm working from my salvation, I am working out of the joy and the life and the peace that I have with God. Versus if I'm working for my salvation, I am working for peace. I am working for joy. I am working for a right standing with God. As sons and daughters, we don't work for God's approval because we already have it in Christ. Christ, uh, when we come to Christ, it is Christ's work that changes us and gives us that faith that we can have. In verse 20, he says, The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because the gospel begins and ends with God's love where we don't have to earn it, we don't have to strive for it, we don't have to work for it. We find every encouragement to pursue God with every effort that we have. Now, Some of you may be thinking, you've been saying, well, we don't work for it, so what about this effort? Doesn't this effort undo the work? of uh, just laying down with the gospel? No, because effort and earning are not the same thing. This is what Dallas Willard has to say for us. He says, grace is not opposed to effort, opposed to earning. Effort is an action while earning is an attitude. Put differently, earning works from a place of entitlement. I deserve good grades because I just showed up for class. Or I deserve the recognition and the respect because I worked hard for this position, for my money. I deserve your attention because what I'm working on is the most important thing that is ever going to happen. I deserve a relationship with my kids because I'm their father. I deserve their respect. I deserve all of these things. They are to respect me because I have it is my right. And then also, I deserve God's grace and God's blessing in my life because I've followed all the rules. I've done all of the religious activities. I've been on all of the serve teams, so therefore God must give me his grace. Whereas effort says I'm going to apply myself, not, ex- not expecting anything in return. I put my effort in to be present with my kids so that I can have a relationship with them. I put in effort into my marriage, not taking it for granted, but it, so that it becomes beautiful. I put effort into growing my relationship with God, being involved in community, being, or reading my Bible through committing myself to prayer, through faith that God is going to meet me where I'm at. 
The whole point of effort is that we have faith that regardless of, or um, that God is going to meet us where we are at with our faith. So there is an effort. The, effort. the amount of effort I put in is the amount of where God is going to meet me at. We live by faith with taking hold of the effort, making every effort to enter into God's grace. So effort is rooted in faith-filled obedience, whereas earning is rooted in an earning uh, entitled attitude. When we make every effort to live for Christ, God's grace faithfully shows up to where we are. The proportion of effort that we put into knowing and pursuing God is exactly the amount of proportion that Christ meets us with his faithfulness. When the gospel, uh, or actually Paul says in verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for no purpose. It's when the gospel takes root in our lives, our motivations, and our world are radically transformed, where we live out of our relationship with God rather than looking for that relationship with God. This is what Paul's wanting to teach us this morning, that we don't have to work for a right relationship with God. We receive it by faith in Jesus. Since we don't have to work for it or earn it, there's nothing that we can do to lose our salvation in Jesus. We are motivated as God's children to work from the salvation that we have already obtained in Christ by faith. This is where we are motivated to do good in our city, to serve the body at Restoration Church, to be in a life group, to find desire and delight and enjoyment in God because of the work of Jesus on our behalf. We are motivated to, find, to have people see that God desires all people to rest and to find delight in him. As we look back at the life of Luther, who is struggling to understand God's grace, he believed that it was faith in Jesus plus works that brought a right relationship with God. The harder that he tried to earn God's love, the less that he actually obtained it. So one day, he's studying this doctrine of justification, and he came to the conclusion that we are not justified by following all the rules. We are not justified by serving on all the serve teams. We are not justified in doing religious activities. We are justified solely on the work of Christ. And he came to understand and believe that God gave him Christ's righteousness and perfect obedience to follow him just by simply surrendering his life to Jesus by faith. So the conclusion he had when God looks at us, he only sees Christ. And this drew Luther to love and delight in God rather than hating God because God was a God who judged him and thought poorly of him. And it was this doctrine of justification that ultimately led him to change the world on October 31st, 1517, where he started the Protestant Reformation. It was this doctrine that changed the course of his life because he recognized he was not working for his salvation, he was working from his salvation. 
the gospel of grace that changed the Apostle Paul, that changed Luther, and that has changed millions of Americans, and not just Americans, but millions of other Christians throughout history, is the same gospel that changes us today. We don't have to work for a restored relationship with God. We obtain it, we receive it by faith in Jesus. And then we work from that restored relationship with God to change the world. So I have only one point of application for you this morning. Are you working for or are you working from your salvation? This question highlights the motivation and desires that drive and influence our behavior. To help you kind of process through what this means for your life, when you come to church just a little bit sober, do you feel that God is judging you? When you come to church disheveled, facing a lot of brokenness in your life, do you, do you feel judged? Do you feel that God thinks less of you because you don't have your life in order? Do you feel that when you give, uh, give money or give resources away, do you feel like you're a better person or do you feel like you are doing the work uh, that God is calling you out of, a, out of a heart of generosity? Do you come to church dreading to see people or do you find joy in simply knowing the fact that you are going to be worshiping with other believers? When you're serving others, do you look for value and significance based on what you accomplish in meeting a need? Or do you strive to meet needs because your greatest need has been met in Christ? Do you approach uh, the Bible or spiritual disciplines out of a way to earn God's favor and pursuing holiness? Do you pursue reading Scripture because you need to know all of the secret things in Scripture? Or do you approach Scripture looking for delight and to know the character and the nature of God through His Word? When we work for our salvation, we have a lingering sense of guilt, lingering sense of shame, lingering sense of condemnation that drives our motivations that no matter what we do, we will never meet that guilt. However, when we are working from our salvation, we are motivated with joy and the delight because we know and we believe what God thinks of us regardless of what we accomplish. When we work from our salvation, we have a motivation to kill sin because we know Christ has already paid for it all. We know that we can approach the throne of grace regardless of what is happening in our lives. No matter how much brokenness we have, we are motivated to make every effort to live godly lives because we've experienced God's love and we can rest in God's love. God's love is not just the potential for those who serve him. It's not accomplished by simply uh, doing more. It is accomplished simply through who we are in Christ. How do we know that? Because Jesus was sent to redeem us from the sin and the condemnation that we were incapable to do on our own. When he did that, when we were hostile enemies of God. Some of you are here this morning and you've never put your trust or your faith in Jesus. And I want to invite you to experience 
have love uh, for yourselves in giving your life to Christ. Jesus extends this invitation to you in Matthew 11 when he says to me, Come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened by guilt, all who are burdened by shame, all who are trying to fix the mess of their life on their own, all who are trying to overcome their addictions. Come to me, all those with broken families and broken histories, and I will give you rest. This is the invitation that Jesus gives to all who are weary, who are exhausted, who are heavy laden. Let me say, to have faith in Jesus is simply, it just simply means to live out of faith and obedience what, what he said in Scripture. There is no formula, no specific wording in prayer, but you respond to that invitation by faith in surrendering your life to Christ, pursuing to delight in him above all things. Some of us are here this morning because we feel like no matter what we do, even though we've been saved, even though we are children of God, we feel that God constantly counts our sins against us. Let me say, nothing is further from the truth. There's an invitation throughout all Scripture for you to also enter God's rest, to find comfort and weary, or not weary, to comfort and encouragement in Him, not based on your works, but just the fact that Christ has already paid for that. The Bible has dozens of verses where it describes how God delights in you. We work from our salvation knowing the fact that God delights in you. In fact, it says in Psalm 149.4, He delights in His people. Psalm 18.9, He hears us when we cry out to Him. Psalm 37.4, he gives you the desires of your heart. And this is probably one of my favorite. Zephaniah 3.17, he rejoices over you with singing. We know that God delights in his people because the Bible tells us that God delights in us. Our motivation to pursue God's love and desire we don't have to do that because he already loves us. He already delights in us. He already approves in us because of our faith in Jesus. I just want to encourage you to write these verses down and to reflect on them this week and just allow these verses, the Lord, to, to comfort you through them. But when we place our faith in Jesus, God is pleased. God is delighted in us. He's not counting our potential against us. He's counting our faithfulness to him. So he invites us to delight and rest in him and then to work from that rest, not to work for that rest. And when we work from the rest that we have in God, we find a life of abundant joy and peace. The greatest response that we have as Christians is simply to rejoice in, with gratitude, declaring that we are not guilty of all of our sins. If justification radically changed Luther, how much more is it able to radically change how we act, how we live in the world? And today we have the opportunity to rejoice 
in our justification, in the completed work of Christ today. One of the reasons why we gather as a body of Restoration Church is to remind ourselves the hope of that we have in the gospel, that it's not anything that we've had to earn, it's not anything that we've had to strive for, but it is given to us completely and fully through Jesus.